Let us turn to Scripture together today to hear the word of the Lord. But first, today we're going to talk about a parable. A parable of Jesus that we get in all three synoptic Gospels. Basically, that just means it's, it's, we find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, well, we find Jesus, and, and he's already done the whole triumphal entry thing, right? He's rode into town on a donkey, and exactly as the prophecy has been told... Um, but we're pre-crucifixion. We're in that time before they, they turn on him. The people are excited that Jesus is here, but the people of power are pretty ticked off. And they're wanting to make their move. But this particular parable comes to us in a parable sandwich, if you will. There's a parable before it, there's a parable after it. And right there we find ours today. Uh, and, and in these three parables are basically Jesus just telling all the rulers and the people in power that, hey, you're kind of missing out. You're not doing a great job, and uh, you need to kind of rethink these things. So here we go. I need 11 volunteers, 11 people. One, two, three, four. Here comes Trevor, five, six, seven, eight. Nine? Did I count correctly? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Need two more. Two more. Thank you, Bob and Christina. That'll, that'll do. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So, so in our parable today, you guys are going to be our character. So Trevor, since you're on the end, you get to be the landowner. All right? Trevor is the landowner. So... Perfect. Mark and Carolyn, you two as a group collectively will be the tenants slash farmers. All right. I need, we need five servants. So servant, 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 servant. All five of you are servants. Perfect. Dwight, you can be the son of Trevor. All right. <laughs> this is just great. And then Bob and Christina, you guys will be the new tenants. All right. So we need to kind of set this up just a little bit. So Trevor, let's, let's have you come up here. Um, Mark and Carolyn, if you guys will be front and center right here. Um, servants, if you guys will come up here and be behind Trevor. Trevor is going to send you out. Dwight, you can come up here and join the, the party too because you're the son. You're, you're with Trevor. And the new tenants, that's perfect right where you're at. So I invite you to hear the word of the Lord today from Matthew 21. We're going to start in verse 33 and go to 46. But I'm not a director, okay? I'm just a pastor. So as you hear things, let's make them happen, all right? And feel free to use your best judgment. We good? All right. So for today, I'll say you guys stay seated, hear the word of the Lord, and see the word of the Lord today. So here's Jesus' words from Matthew 21. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Let's make the vineyard down there. Just that way there's somewhere for them to go. He rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants 
to the tenants to collect his fruit. Just three of you. Just three of you. Three, three go at the first time. So we practice this, I promise. The tenants, they seized his servants. They beat one. They killed another. And they stoned the third. Then he sent two more servants. And the tenants treated them the same way. But last of all, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard. And they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. He will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give, him share, give his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stones the builders rejected became the cornerstone. The Lord has, has done this, and it is marvelous in their eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but anyone on, on, anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. And church, today, this is the word of the Lord. And we say, thanks be to God. We practice on Tuesdays at noon, if you want to join. It's improv club. It's an official small group of of Gainesville First Church of the Nazarene. But parables are fun, aren't they? They allow us to learn a lesson, but they can also teach us many lessons. There are numerous ways you can read them, and you can read them from just about any vantage point. What does this parable mean to someone of power? And what does this parable mean to a tax collector? What does this parable mean to a middle school principal? And what does this parable mean to a sixth grader on their first day at a new school? Parables, when done well, can speak into all of those situations. And let's just say Jesus was kind of a master at this whole parable thing. Have you ever had a teacher, a professor, or maybe even a Sunday school teacher that would tell lots and lots of stories? I had one professor at Trevecca that would tell us a solid 15-minute story. And, and we were waiting on the big finish and the meaningful point. And at the end of the story, he would just kind of go, eh, I don't really know why I was telling you that. And you see, Jesus, he spoke with a purpose. 
He spoke these parables for a reason. These parables are for the people of God between the triumphal entry and the crucifixion of Christ. But they're also for us today. They're for us between the ascension and the return of Christ. Now let's recap our story real quick, even though I'm sure you'll probably remember this for quite some time. Our landowner, Mr. Trevor, decides to build a vineyard and lease it. This really isn't strange to us today. We see this happen all the time. People rent things out. People pay their dues and then they can come in and they can make profits off of their efforts and as their tenants in this property. Let's just say that the landowner must not really have good discernment. Because he rented his land out to some pretty awful people. Not only did they not pay their bills, but they were willing to harm others in order to really keep it all for themselves. How many of you have ever owned a rental property? Anyone? All right, several people have. We did for a year, and we'll probably never do it again. If you're ever thinking about buying a rental property, please take Gerald Herring out to lunch and let him tell you story after story. And he won't tell you not to. He will just enlighten you on some of the things to expect. You see, you always run the risk of having some pretty crummy renters. Most of the time, you couldn't afford to really keep up all those bills if you don't have renters in your property. So you don't always have time to seek out the perfect renter. So you could end up with a crazy cat lady that ruins all of your carpet. Or you could luck out and your tenant is a contractor that fixes every little thing that's wrong throughout their time and doesn't charge you a penny. It can happen. It's a risk. But it's a risk that can really pay off big time. So this landowner, they picked such terrible renters that they kill the bill collectors. Now I think we all feel rather negatively about bill collectors, but we understand who the money belongs to. The people that are sent in to collect his portion of the profit are beaten, and some are even killed. So what's the owner's solution? The owner thought, it's about to get personal. You see, he could have hired old Joe Blow off the street to go in and try again and possibly get killed. But he didn't. He was done with that tactic. He was done hiring folks. Things were about to get personal. You see, over the last 19 months, we've lived in a chaotic world with COVID. I think we can all remember watching the news and reading articles and hearing about this virus that was way, way off, right? Then a few days pass, and we read about this virus that's got a little bit closer. A few days pass, we turn on the news, and oh, here it is, it's in America. But it still felt far away, right? We still felt like it was not, not here. Well, it didn't take but just a few more days, and oh, all 50 states have cases of this new virus. Wonderful. Then it didn't take but a few more days in every county had a few cases of this virus. But even then, still, it kind of felt like this distant thing, right? It seemed like, oh, I hate that that's happening, but it's not really affecting me. But then I think all of us, we can remember the first time that a family member or a friend or a loved one called us and said, well, I have COVID. And your heart just kind of sinks in your stomach. You just kind of feel sick, right? I mean, you just, 
It's awful. You know why it's so awful? It's because it got personal. It was no longer some far-off idea in another country that might not ever pose some threat to us. But now, it was personal. It was a family member. It was a friend. It was a loved one. And now, here we sit 19 months later, and we've all lost loved ones and friends to this terrible, terrible virus. When this landowner decided to send his son, because surely the personal aspect of that gesture would change the outcome, he was met with the same outcome as when he was sending out complete strangers. At this point, it is on. Their reign over something that was not theirs was about to be over. The landowner will come in and turn over the tables and say, Get out of my vineyard. You see, their kingdom that they thought they were running, that they were building and establishing and gaining power, it was really just a lease. You see, they were not on a rent-to-own contract. That, that's really explicit in rental contracts if it's there. That's not what this was. But they were given resources that belonged to someone else, and they were tasked with the responsibility to keep things up. And also to give back to the owner. Their parts, because again, it's a lease. You know, this sermon, although it might seem like it, this sermon's not about tithing. This sermon's not about the risks of you becoming the owner of a rental property. But this sermon is all about the will of God for each and every one of us today. Church, I've said it before and I'll say it again. All is gift. Everything we have. We love to think that it's ours and we've earned and we own it, but I'm sorry to inform you today, but whatever is yours was owned by someone else before you were born, and it's going to be owned by someone else when you die. We are but stewards in this world, and Jesus knew that the chief priests and the rulers just did not get it. I think Jesus knew, too, that we wouldn't quite get it either. You see, this parable isn't just a story, but this parable is the story of God. In the beginning, God created the most beautiful and wonderful vineyard. He made us and provided work for us to do in the vineyard that we call earth. Through time and time again of beginning to think this place was ours, we lived in exile. We lived in the desert, as we talked about last week. And then what happened? Oh, that's right. God sent us prophets, but you know what? We didn't really like them, so we beat them. Oh, but then God God provided us with priests, but we didn't really like them either, so we killed them. And then God gave us what we really wanted. We wanted kings. Pastor Kyle, we killed them too. So you know what God said? God looked at humanity. He looked at the greedy tenants of his land and he said, Okay, now it's personal. I'm sending part of me to you and surely to goodness this outcome will not be the same. And here we sit today, knowing that the outcome was the same and we killed him too. 
threw him on a cross. We threw him on a cross and we, we rejected that stone because we have enough stones that we can build upon on our own. You see, the chief priests and the Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus was saying. It was about them. They had been the greedy tenants. We have been the greedy tenants, church. But the good news for us today, the gospel for us is that Jesus tells us that those who are willing to do the work and produce the fruit that was intended will be participants in the kingdom of God. And I don't know how it gets any better than that for us today. When God longed for a holy, pure relationship with you, God didn't just create old Joe Blow off the street and send him. But God looked and said, Anakin, Becky, Christy, it's about to get personal. got personal. And that's good news for us today. Because God offered Jesus on your behalf. Not some random creation, but very, the very part of God was sent for you. And we are, when we're living in this vineyard, and we're fully participating in the kingdom of God, we are living as people who always know that this is a lease. And not some rent-to-own contract. We're living as people who are willing to do the work. And in the Church of the Nazarene, we call this a sanctified life. A life so set apart from the idea that we could ever own what this is. But rather, that it's our job every day to communicate with the servant and the landowner so that we can steward it so well. Today we're going to share in some wonderful barbecue together, and it is going to be fantastic. But first, we're going to partake in a meal that reminds us of our desperate need of the landowner and of the servant to ever be able to enjoy any other meal. We must first enjoy this meal together. Did everyone receive elements as you came in? If not, if you'll raise your hand... Pastor Gary and Joe can make sure that you get those today. If you've never used these before, there's one thin film on the top that will allow you to have access to the wafer. And then there's another thinner film on the bottom that opens the cup for you. But today, as we partake in this meal together, I want us to be reminded that today as, as we come as one body, we are gathered around the table of the Lord. No one else's table. This is the table of the Lord. We're gathered to remember what Christ has done for us, to be reminded that it got personal, and because of that we can celebrate resurrection today. We're reminded that much like Mr. Potato Head, when we take of this meal, we are remembered as the body of Christ. We're brought together back to our rightful place. In the Church of the Nazarene, we practice open communion, which simply means that you do not have to be a member of this congregation. You don't have to bear the name Nazarene. 
But all that we think is necessary is that you recognize that this is the table of the Lord, who is the Savior of all. And even if you've never accepted him, we believe that today can be that day. Karen, would you come play for us? And and as we partake together, first, I'd like us to just spend a few moments in prayerful reflection of the ways in which that we have been greedy tenants the ways in which we have thought that we were building something that could be ours. That our prayer today would be that God would seek and search our hearts for those ways. So let's spend just a moment in prayer together, then we will partake of the meal. Oh Lord, we come before you today with humbled hearts, humbled minds, at the very fact that, Lord, it became personal when you so desperately longed for us to enter into relationship with you. Lord, I pray today that you would seek our hearts, you would search them for any ways in which that we have not faithfully reflected you in our efforts, in our desires. Lord, we come around this table all confessing today that you are Lord, the one Lord that unites us in the one faith and one baptism. So Lord, today as we partake, it is our prayer that this, these elements would be for us today the very broken body and shed blood of Jesus, the son of the landowner who came so that it would be personal on our behalf. And Lord, we thank you for the reconciliation that happened through that life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our Lord, whose table we gather around today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, the son of the landowner, he gathered the disciples in the upper room, and he had one last meal with them. And before the meal, he took the bread And he held it up and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And after they had finished the meal, the son of the landowner, he took the cup and he held it up and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Would you stand this morning to receive a blessing today that that the very landowner who sent his one and only son on your behalf would strengthen you through the power of the Holy Spirit this week to be good stewards of the vineyard that will never be yours. Would you go in that grace and peace today? Amen.